Hello, you're listening to the Eric McKenna Project. Are you ready? It's Herschel on the Eric McKenna Project. And hearing your voice takes me back to when I was younger. I mean, this and uh, Eric, um, not liking to be photographed ever uh-huh. still don't uh-huh. feels uh-huh. weird. Okay, a video you make it feel easy. Sure. But, um, that was why I loved radio. I could be a ham and no one would see me. And here's the here's the mistake I made. If I'm going to give anybody some advice about doing radio, okay. be true to yourself. Really be yourself. I wasn't completely myself. Had I been, mm-hmm. I would have done even better. Really? I really feel that way. And the one guy that wow. used to tell me that all the That's time deep. was Jack Malloy, because when we would have parties and stuff, right. I'd have him on the ground with stupid, <laughs> stupid stuff. But it was my physical and my face and my, which nobody knew about the when animation. they grew up with me. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So... That was that's my one bit of advice. All right, is uh, you know, let's just, there's no format here. We just go. So, yeah, go is ahead. there a, is, is is what from your career and w- watching your career and the ebb and flow, and what's happening today in terrestrial radio? Yeah. Are there still and do you think there always will be opportunities for young folks to be in this field? Great question, Eric. Here's what's happening. I met a 17 year old kid. His name is Michael Crowley. He's from Evans City. He worked with me at the Pittsburgh Parts Arama. And I'm lucky enough to be the voice of that event because everybody that's there was like, I grew up, who, I know that voice. And then they'll meet me and say, man, you, I, you don't look anything like I thought. That's what they all. Anyways, that's hysterical. Seventeen-year-old, uh, wow. played albums, played forty-fives for us. Yeah, uh, it was so neat. We had so much fun. The kid knows everything, but he has a uh, these little AM radio stations that are everywhere yeah. that no one can get any programming for right. are right there. And this seventeen-year-old kid is syndicating and stuff. Yeah, I'll get like you know twenty-five dollars a week from each radio station, ten, fifteen. Man, the kid, he's not even, he didn't even graduate from high school yet. So that was so exciting. God bless it's like, him. Here it is. There's this void that's, it's it's going to suck in all these great young talent. Yeah. There'll be radio stations that all they do is play bass guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for 12 hours a day, it's everything about the bass or whatever. Right, 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 right. That's that so exciting. And okay. I, I'm relieved Gives because you hope, huh? there ain't no place right now in commercial radio right. to mess around and have fun and make mistakes. It doesn't. They can't afford. Well, you were there at the right time then. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah, I could screw I mean, up all the time. No one knew. <laughs> uh, the guy, the, the, uh, Don Pardo. Remember Don Pardo? Yeah. He came in and did things for yeah, yeah. for uh, for for DVE, and yeah. he said one about, yeah, the ratings just came out. You've been talking to yourself for months. <laughs> Well, we know that wasn't but, true. No, it wasn't. But early on, at, when I started at YDD, Eric, yeah. was it jazz? we made two. Was it jazz back no, then? No, it was before we got there. Okay. But okay. When I got there, it was Dwight Douglas, famous, famous programmer, um, and a, a, a whole bunch of really. Oh, Ron Chavis was there. I was Ron Chavis's intern. Ron Chavis was a really handsome African American. I'm sure he still is. Really charismatic his his charisma oozed out of the radio man he was like the ultimate underground dj nice i was just a kid um 
and and that that was where that was where we started. I I, I will tell you the 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 real story uh, about how I actually got on the air some other time because okay, yeah. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But <laughs> once I already told the story to, 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 to Brian Price at DVE. If right. it gets out, got it. There was some. Well, there was to me famous people involved. Sure, it famous fathers were involved. Got it. Uh, so. Uh, Anyway, yeah, 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 now yeah. I've really made it seem weird. Huh? <laughs> now the, the mystery continues to yeah, deepen. Yeah, but once, once I was at YDD, I had so much fun, and we broke all the rules. And Dennis Waters was the is this pro- early seventies now. What, what yeah, the, this yeah, is yeah. this is uh, before seventy seven because wow. that's when I went to New York City. So right, right, right. Up until that must have been seventy four, seventy five. Wow. You know, it's the golden and, age of rock oh, radio. Man, it was so much fun. Broke all the rules. Stevie Ray. Um, um, Stevie Wonder's Fulfillingness first finale came out. I'll never forget. It was a triple album or a double album with another 45-sized record that ran at 33. It was a long. And wow. I said, hey, man, the, 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 everybody, the, the, the new Stevie just came out. Check it out. And just played the whole thing. Because we had no commercials. No, We made two fifty an hour. Oh, my gosh. The, the DJs. But the record industry helped us. I'll tell you yeah. about that some other day. And, <laughs> little payola uh, thing. Is that true? Uh, well, you, yeah, it was. <laughs> but it was way more innocent in that era than okay. it got really bad. Okay. Um, so that was how... I actually got into radio there at YDD, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then Dennis Waters, 13 Qs, that I'm going to New York. There's a jazz station there I want you to be at. So he took I was, you, the 13 yeah, Qs because I was you. doing fusion and all that stuff yeah, on, on, on yeah. YDD. Did you like that stuff? Did oh, you? that was my real love. Like Return to Forever, oh my God. Miola. I was Aldi Miola's hanging over there, by the way. There's Al Miola. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait, oh, yeah. I was playing Al Miola on the air in New York, WRVR. Wow. It was 106.7. 50,000 watts on top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> when the 77 blackout happened, I was oh. playing Al Miola and it went, <laughs> And it just stopped. Oh, man. So I was there for the blackout, for the blizzard. Wow. For, but missed, I was there, I didn't, I wasn't there for the bicentennial. I guess that was really good, but and that, at that time, yeah. you didn't go to Times Square. No, it was late seventies was, was, was yeah, dangerous. But there were there were the, the music stores yeah. and, and SIR Studio Instrument oh, Rental. Yeah. That's where all big the big giant band. studios. That's, that's where, they, where they rented and, yeah. and, and practiced. Oh man! And someday I'll tell you about WRVR. It was called RVR because it was originally in the Riverside Church on Riverside Drive. Uh, wow. That's a whole other wow. story. So wow. I'm in New York. I lose my job because WRVR is bought by Viacom, and yeah. they change it to country music, which was culture shock in New York. I bet. There were major uh, concerts to protest, but it was too late. So while we were in the meeting, and I was a, a co-music director with uh, Pat Prescott, who's very successful and just a, one of the best voices I've ever heard, she and I had an office and they took everything out of the office while we were in the meeting they took all the albums everything we had uh that was ten thousand mono and thirty thousand stereo albums which all was donated to nyu which was great okay okay so we're in the meeting and that happens i then send a cassette to dve the same cassette every week, same demo tape every week. It was your week. resume, right? And yeah, I and, yeah. and, and um, <laughs> Mr. Dickey, 
Bob Dickey, who was the original general manager when DVE became DVE, right. said to me one day, you know, there's there's a light on in the window if you ever want to come to Pittsburgh, come back to DVE. And I sent this letter and said, Mr. Dickey, it, I, I drove by and I thought I saw a light in the window. And they hired me then after nine story. months. Because Maxwell, who was on the air, went on vacation and never came, came back. back. <laughs> so that was... Wow, meant to be. And I have to say, too, because when I went to New York in 77, Jimmy and Steve and Marcy and Jack Malloy and that whole crew went on strike and walked the picket line wow. for AFTRA, which is now AFTRA yeah. SAG, powerful union Absolutely. now. Because of them, I have a great pension. And God bless I'm them. Blessed God bless because them. Because of what they did. Right, right. Nice. God bless them, man. So come back to Pittsburgh had to be not only great, oh, but you were coming back to that station too. Yeah, when I come back, I'm driving back, and I have my dad's uh, Oldsmobile Cutlass with a U-Haul uh, trailer behind it, and I blow the transmission out, and I get to the interchange in Irwin, and it won't move. So now it's stuck where you pay, oh and my. they're like, "Just leave it there for a while, kid. We'll get a truck." <laughs> so I blow up my dad's transmission. I miss a party. Jimmy Roach after that always said. Don't ever throw a party for Hirsch. He'll miss it. <laughs> he missed uh, his own party. <laughs> so that's how I came home. But wow. all along the way, Eric, I heard Donnie Iris Alia. Yeah. Every radio station. Every it's like and he's my cousin. My last name is Venezi. Right. And his last he has a Venezi in his family. Minnie Venezi is his aunt. So Donnie and I, being from Elwood City, are Donnie, related. we need you on the show. Oh, is Hirsch gonna make that happen I, for I us? I will, I will, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Rick Witkowski, you have to yeah. talk with Rick. Yeah. Oh, man, there's a yeah. bunch of really Yeah, and I love Rick. this stuff. I mean, my music was everything to me, Hurst, and like I said, having you today is an honor to me. You're part of my story. Oh, you know, and, and sure, the story of so many thousands of kids. Yeah, and you're all part of my story. Yeah, well, you know? it's, it, it, let me ask you something about DVE, because yeah. uh, this is kind of a crazy question. It's kind of out of the box, but you'll be able to answer it for me. Um, I grew up as many kids in this town, believe it or not, a Kiss fan. Mm -hmm. Love that band. Oh my, yeah. But uh, it seemed like in the eighties, uh, even like the late seventies, they weren't played much in Pittsburgh. And I, I, I just never understood that. We would call them requested. We once in a while, you guys would toss one, toss you know, us a bone. I always wondered, was there a program director that had a uh, like I'm, a hard on for them or something? I always I'm, wondered. You know what? That's a great question, and I think subliminally. I didn't say that right. Yeah. But, uh, down deep. We <laughs> thought we were either past it or above it hmm. or didn't get it. Okay. But people like Eddie Vedder, people like um, uh, the, 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 uh, oh, the guys from New York, I, I, I drove by and almost got to see him at CBGB's. Uh, the Ramones. The Ramones. They were affected by yeah, absolutely. big time. Absolutely, yeah. And I when I was yeah. in New York, I went to Paul Stanley's yeah. wedding. Yeah, I think it was Incredible. his wedding. It's a long story, sure. but there was security. It was like uh, this yeah. really 
big yeah. deal because he couldn't be seen without the makeup. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And what a success story! I mean, Kiss. They, oh man. Yeah, and that's my little my little history is working with Paul and with the, with the guitars and all that. Yeah. And I just but it, but it seemed like to be a Kiss fan in Pittsburgh, we were kind of like united. You know, deep. And we love DVE. Don't get me wrong. And it you, didn't you were the only game in town, but you guys would we not play, play them. We try. I'm yeah. going back to like 78, 79. You were at all the concerts, and ironically, yeah. with the Seas Wrangler always on stage. But and I will tell you, I have an old audio cassette of 1980 or 79, and one of uh, it might have been before, right before you came back to DV. One of the DJs in, uh, for DV was caught in an interview with Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, and one of them said to the DJ, "It might have been Jimmy Roach, for all I know." You know, it's amazing that uh, we're being welcomed back uh, so 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 exuberantly, considering you just don't play us in this town. There was an audio track yeah. of that, and I just always kind of wondered, you yeah, know. It was true. But, but does that go to the point where programming directors are kind of a big thing at a station, right? You know, I think I worked for a lot of them. <laughs> in in 15 or 16 years, Eric, it had to have been eight, Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Wow. Yeah, wow. and then finally they caught on and fired me. <laughs> Simple as that. Like, who is this guy, and why are we paying him money? Yeah, but you guys had more control of your shows then, probably, than they do today. Would you think? Oh, yeah. And, and until uh, uh, the consultant, which was Burkhart Abrams, before they really started to crack down, yeah, I cheated all the time. I, I played Pete Sounds and uh, solo stuff. Stuff and, that you dug. Yeah, and it's like, well, what are they going to do? Fire me? Yeah. Well, they did eventually. (laughs) But no, it was a more innocent time. And then. Sure, sure. Then when you break the rules, a programmer then eventually says, you know what? Let's write down the rules for breaking the rules. (laughs) Well, now you've done it. That's great. That's great. You know, another thing, too, I think a lot of us. I'm 53, so I grew up as a... As I a, have genes older than you. Shh, that's my lie, buddy. Uh, <laughs> you're not that much older than me, pal. I looked it up. You're not that much older than me. <laughs> um, so I, I felt being the age I was in the 70s was such a wonderful time in Pittsburgh. The sports teams, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But DVE, and, and, and moving into the early 80s, you're you're the voice of you and Jimmy Roach and, and Jack Molloy. These were people that I could cling to. I would like... Out of boredom, I would cling to that FM radio in my parents' living room oh. and just call in and request the music, and, and, and finally your song would play. It was like that's a part of the tapestry of us. So many of us that grew up oh, here, man. and you realize. I mean, do, do you ever sit back and are you able to reflect on how how important you all were in that era to a lot of us out there? Is, is, is Eric, that ever lost it's, on you? It's all? only now, all really? these years later. Really? I'm saying. Man, Stevie Ray Vaughan was yeah. inches away from me yeah. and actually uh, was cordial to me because we were we talked cars, not guitars. Yeah, he loved how, it. He how loved how, that. That's how to and do it. I didn't know. Brian Price asked too, Eric, so you're a very good interviewer. Brian oh. Price from DVE said, did you realize what was going on at the time? No, I wow. didn't. First off, I'm wow. dumb and happy, <laughs> and it wasn't until later. He's lying. Really, when it, when it happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's... it's um. When I, when I look back on that, too. A lot of us... Music changed a lot in the 80s, and you saw all of oh, it. Yeah. So 
when we grew up, it was DV was the rock station. And rock to us was the like you know Led, Ze- Led Zeppelin. It was the Who, Bachman Turner Overdrive, Leonard Skinner in this town, of course, right? Oh, but when the '80s came, it was the new wave thing. And I, you know, like the Sex Pistols, I I was aware of that stuff. And I saw DVE reluctantly start to kind of somewhat give in to the MTV crowd. It kind of creeped in with like The Fix. And M- Flock of Seagulls. Flock of Seagulls, and, Billy yeah. Idol. In excess. In excess. And it's a pity me though, I remember I was working at a place in Pittsburgh here on an assembly line as a, as a 20 year old guy in 1985. And they had DVE on all day. And I looked at my friend and I said, you know, what the fuck happened to DVE? Yeah. I mean, because it because I think it was there was it was Bruce Springsteen constantly, which he's rock and roll, I get it. But it was I guess it was society, right? I mean, you DV kind of changed. You mm-hmm. know, there and there was there was I guess I was saying there was like a lot of Billy Joel. A lot of Billy Joel on DVE was nothing you found in the 70s but it no. became like uh like allentown or uptown girl when you guys were playing uptown girl and then the next song was like achilles last stand by led zeppelin the, the the change in dynamics was astonishing to me and that's why i guess as a young kid i didn't understand that they were researching they were doing auditorium tests about what's, that what, time what's that, that mean was, like what's that, that mean? means they would have they would try and isolate the hook and early on the testing was one through ten. You would uh, uh, have a, a little dial, and you would vote on each one. That's you crazy. sat in an auditorium. It was. It was That's crazy. Nuts. And then they would run it through a program, and the analog would the the, the program would f- tell you how high or low something rate rated. So, of course, you play the ones that. Uh, tested the best. It tested really high. <laughs> That's it's like well, I test high too. <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I am such an asshole. That uh, is what it but, is. Um, but I mean, I mean. Th- so that was that was a, a part of it, and wow. Uh, wow, it can easily get out of control, and you okay. see what happened. Then all of a sudden, there was this weird mix of what the heck is going on I didn't here. Know what and, TV looked you know, like. Then. Decide was... what you're gonna be. You know, mm-hmm. alternative or you know more mainstream, and and that was a weird time for everybody. So, did you guys as DJs? Yeah, I mean, did you still have a little latitude to push back once in a while? No, in playlists, playlists were, oh, were playlists. Yeah, and now and that was an '80s thing. Now in the '70s, did you have a little room to push back? Oh, uh, yeah, especially uh, again, we weren't monitored so closely, and in the evenings and overnights, you could really uh, have more fun. But. Um, it was when they really started researching it and when they really started programming it sure. it was written it was you were given that sheet this wow. is what you play this hour now mm-hmm. it's all on computer it's every if someone makes a mistake on radio in this day mm-hmm. eric mm-hmm. there's no reason because right. you can say let's do that again we never, you know, we were seven second delay, but my big mouth already screwed up, so it's eventually going to be there anyways. Just give it seven seconds. That's so, great. you know, if I was in radio now, there'd never be a mistake. Yeah, it's computerized. I mean, uh, and I think DJs have to fight hard 
to create their own persona because the, oh, everything's so yeah. regulated. You guys it were just is. being yourself and having fun with it and, and yeah. running with it, you know? I couldn't I mean, imagine being on DVE now. It's really hard to do and to, and to have fun. And to, it's it all, is. It's, it's all tough. corporate owned now, though, right? I mean, there's large well, yeah. corporations. Well, it, it always has been. Always okay. has been. But okay. when, when I started, it was owned by Taft, Broad, first ABC and then Taft Broadcasting, okay. which was in Cincinnati. And they owned yeah. some of the best... AOR album oriented stations right, right. in the country. Uh, Bob and Tom in Indianapolis were part of our I chain. Didn't know that. That's why I played the shit out of them because <laughs> they were so good. And um, uh, but again, the money DVE made in all those great radio stations was bundled up and census sent to Cincinnati, and they bought us things. Understood. Uh, so they loved us. We made them a lot of money, and they rewarded us with things to make us better. Huh. In the 70s and moving into the 80s, um, obviously New Wave became a thing. Because it, it, in my eyes, like the, the bands that we all seem to like, almost overnight everything just changed. Like New Wave hit so hard. I don't know if it was because of punk Whatever it was, I don't think we ever felt the punk thing here in Pittsburgh. We're just too insulated. Mm -hmm. We weren't in New York or London, but something happened. The local musicians got it, but we, the regular folks, you're right. They they got it. So interesting. uh, Yeah. Did you feel it in radio though? Did you see it, or was it more of a gradual change? I mean, because the album to me, album rock stuff kind of died in '79, '80, and I just think the MTV whatever the influence had changed everything, right? Let me, you mentioned MTV. Bob Bittman was a radio programmer here in Pittsburgh. Okay. 97, I think was his station, 96. He was 21 years old. He goes to New York at 22 or 23 Programming director of WNBC in New wow, York. That's a big, that's yeah. big time. Big time. Yeah, big time. So he and Dennis Waters are best friends from 13 Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm in, honest, this I, This is the truth. I'm in Dennis Waters' apartment. Bob Pittman is there. A few of us from the jazz station are there. And um, uh, Bob says to Dennis, man, I have this idea for a video television station. Get and Dennis says, what are we going to play? There's nothing out there. He says, I was just in Europe. And even back to the 50s, they made small vignette videos of everything. So they had all kinds of, yeah, they had all kinds of early stuff that they could play if they wanted to. Wow. Uh, Wow. So that was the inception of MTV. About five months later, they're having auditions, and everybody that knows Dennis and knows Bob, and they're like, man, can I? And, And they even approached me just. To be cordial, would you like to audition? It's like, that's the last thing in the world I want to do, but thank you. It would be a blast. Can I work behind the scenes? Sure, but sure, no. sure. And look what happened. So that, was the, that, that was the, that was the Bob idea. Bob Bittman and wow, Dennis Waters. Man. Wow. Yeah. See, and there were some heavy bands in the 70s that incorporated video for presentation. Some of your, like Rush was a band that was like, we loved them here in Pittsburgh. Rush had a yeah. big following, I think, in Pittsburgh. But, and DV played them quite a bit. Yeah. I think, I think DV yeah. kind of liked Rush. Oh, they did, yeah. But they used a lot of video because you would mm. see them on HBO vignettes and things. It was out there. Yeah. It just wasn't like in a, in a format where you could see it constantly. Like, what, I mean, 
So well, you, you saw you saw MTV come pretty much born then, right? And video killed the radio star. So it was it, the is well, that really who was that? The Bungles. The Bungles. It's true though. That was the first video they played. Yeah, that's right. They predicted the. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Think about that. That tell me that wasn't written for that show. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt it. I remember seeing uh, um, I Want a Mexican Radio. That was a song by some band and putting on the Ritz and all these little, oh, yeah. the new wave was such a, kind of a smack in the face to me. I don't know why. It just, it was like it, a. It was, it was foreign. It was foreign was to really our foreign, ears. Was it really foreign, like coming from, was it really no, foreign coming from, it, no, it was, was foreign organic to our though? ears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and uh, the one radio station I always thought was, would have been the ultimate was the X. Yeah. It was a million watts wow. FM. Didn't know that. In Mexico. You could pick it up from Texas to Chicago. The I heard it on the X. That <laughs> ZZ Top. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a radio station. That's, that's massive. Yep. Yeah, all the years that you were um, in rock radio, talk, Tell, tell me a story. Tell me something about artists coming to town for shows and things that just things that stand out in your mind. The police are coming in, and okay. I'm going to work on a Saturday morning at ten o'clock because I get to, got to do Michelle's shit. We I had got it. We'll do an earlier shift on Saturday, and okay. I'm walking in from the parking lot. We're still downtown, and there's Andy Summers walking up the street. It's like. <laughs> That's Andy Summers from the police. Oh, yeah, they're in town tonight. And I walk across the street and shake his hand and say, hey, man, this is great. Thank you for coming to town. I'm at the radio station. Can you do an interview? Or Oh, no, I'm sorry. You know, I'm not. That would have to be, pre, you know, we would have had to have that figured out. He has no idea who I am. <laughs> so he goes, well, I need, I need a music shop. And I said, well, National Record Mart's right down here. And I drag him to National Record Mart. And while I'm dragging him down there, we go past a music store, a guitar shop. Right. He goes, oh, here it is, mate. And it's like, well, no, that's a guitar store. Yeah, that's what that's I need. <laughs> so he goes in, and they open. They the door opens up, and the place explodes. People are falling down. It's Andy Summers is standing right there. Wow. So that was really neat. And oh, the Eagles. I'm Glenn Fry. God bless him. Yeah. Nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Would bend over backwards to help you as a radio person. And right, he. Right said in the 70s they loved pittsburgh so much and the city of champions everything they had on tour all of their cases were black and gold really? eagles because they were like yeah. honoring oh, yeah, their, yeah. their that's crew cool. was honoring pittsburgh that's cool Isn't it neat? Yeah. yeah that's very cool yeah why, why was pittsburgh so in love with leonard skinner why did it resonate it, in this here town? it is i they played the syria mosque they may have played before that but i was going to pitts and I got tickets through YDT. Right. And I was in the first balcony, mm -hmm. first row, first balcony, looking right down on them. And the Syria Mosque was a baby Carnegie Hall. It was. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. You could talk like I am right now on stage, and everyone would still hear you. It was scary, and I knew every place in it. And I smoked marijuana downstairs with the drummer <laughs> of the House Rockers one time because he knew every little passage. I won't mention his name. And um, oh, what else? Oh, uh, they they played, and it was mesmerizing. Yeah, I bet. They I bet. threw it down left nothing uh, on the table. Pittsburgh loved and them. 
it grew from there, Eric. It just and that happened in every city they played, I'm sure, but especially Pittsburgh. Yeah. We wanted it. Yeah. There was a band from Youngstown called I love this Law L A W. I remember that. I remember that. And it was the guy's initials L A W, a trio, African American bass player, white drummer, African American uh, singer, Youngstown. Wow, how they never made it big. I Powerful, don't know. Huh? And then Gravel was my favorite. Gravel was everybody's idol here in Pittsburgh. There you go. They were our idol. We all, every. Do you I remember was a, who the drummer was out of curiosity? No. Terry Bates. Terry Bates. That's my uncle. <gasps> wow. That's my mother's brother. That is so. See, he lives about three blocks from here. Oh, my Corbin God. and Hanner, and then they had the accident, the car accident, and oh. Benny passed away, and then oh. uh, they, they disbanded. I think uh, Corbin and Hanner were on the songwriting thing. Terry kicked around Pittsburgh, played drums for everybody. Gravel was there you go. the wow. best band in Pittsburgh, and all of our ambitions, uh, musicians, uh, I, I lumped myself in there because I was a sound guy. I wasn't good enough to play, but I was a sound <laughs> guy. And our ambition was to be gravel wow. they had a huge sound man they knew yeah. tone yeah. they knew layering those guys were so blessed from the beginning wow that's we were blessed to, to have them. that's special to me yeah because uh wow yeah there it is man that's bates. That's, that's yeah terry bates terry the drummer, bates drummer the gravel that. man i gotta get his he'll autograph. see he'll see this now and just be in heaven so i need your autograph <laughs> nice yeah so i mean it, it, Pittsburgh had a great rock scene, didn't they? I mean, it, we've always had a great rock scene. Yeah. Even locally. And, and you know what hurt it, too, was the drinking age. In Ohio, yeah, it was 18, absolutely. so you West would Virginia. go to the Agora <laughs> and Agora see Ball great, right? That's where I saw LAW Law God. at the Agora in Youngstown. Wow. Uh, but that was that that yeah. slowed us down. Yeah. I, think. I was... um. I just had Scott Blazy of the Clarks in our oh, podcast, man. and that was in your era of DV. You saw the organically oh, those guys, man, guys rise, pr- right? I'm so proud of those guys. Yeah, aren't man, they something else? One of them. Aren't they something else? And I they're mean, so unassuming. I know. know. Gee, do you, do you really like it? <laughs> <laughs> Scott is wonderful. Um, they're all nice, and they're very, they're just good people. And uh, Greg Joseph, bass mm-hmm, player, is mm-hmm. is also very much into cars, like oh, yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the Vintage Grand Prix and all that. Right, yeah, yeah. And JW, their, their uh, personal manager, yeah. is yeah, John they're, Williams, they're, good friend. And I love the fact they're still all doing it. They love they what are. they do, man. They're still packing They're holes. just getting warmed up. Yeah, I, I tried to convince Scott. That was my take, too. He's like, well, they you are. know, we're having fun, but we're getting older. I said, doesn't matter. Yeah, so You're work every having, other day instead of every day. fun, man. <laughs> and this town loves Led Zeppelin, too, doesn't it? Why, why is that? I you mean, know what? And it, it, I, I knew some things about them that they scared me. John Bonham was a very, very... I don't want to call him evil, but he was not a really good guy. It wasn't real stable. And Jimmy, I don't think Jimmy Page might not have been either, Yeah, but, but <laughs> John Bonham and their manager would uh, physically mess people up. I heard because that. Because it was cash before the I show. I heard that. And the Caesar... Peter I'll bet you, Grant. Uh, Rich, Peter Rich, Grant. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rich Engler could probably tell you stories, sure. but he's probably signed not to because they'll have him killed. <laughs> but he was, a, he was, they liked beating people up. And, yeah. and John Bonham was a huge guy. So the drummer played part in all that stuff, huh? I, I know there's a lot. Bonham was, for as wonderful as Bonham was as a drummer, you hear stories about him being yeah. a little unstable. And, you know, I feel bad to even pass that on because 
he's not with us. Sure. Jay, I've been, I interviewed Jason Bonham, his, his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicest guy great in the drummer world. Too. Oh, my God, is he good. Another great drummer, too, but while we're going by is Zach Starkey. Oh, yeah. And and he, yeah. he can play anything, including sounding like Keith Moon. Right. Keith didn't even know what he was doing. <laughs> he was he was sat out, but we loved him. So, wow. Anyways. Did you yeah. ever, it said YDD, mm-hmm. um, it was, did you guys ever interact with any of those early bands? Like, did you? you... Crack the Sky. We played Crack the Sky. But, wow. And I went to try and get in. I couldn't get in. The show it was so crowded. It jurgles. Really? God bless them. I'm going to go next time. I'm going to actually probably drive into the event. Uh, <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. That's terrible. Um, it, it, but it was that bad. It was so crowded. But yeah, Crack the Sky. Gino Vanelli. We played Gino yeah. Vanelli before this anybody. I loved him too. A Dr. Demento. Remember Demented Dr. Dementites. Oh, my God. Who <laughs> else uh journey played yeah. journey before anybody else and i asked before they were commercial uh, yeah that first album was a fusion album no i asked no question um uh, uh the guitar player give me his his name please neil sean neil sean he had a big afro like yeah you. but <laughs> neil said i asked him about santana you know being yeah. named santana yeah, yeah, yeah. early on he goes man that guy didn't know what he was doing we taught him everything Someone else. Wait a minute. You taught. He said he didn't know. He had connections in his percussion and, you know, uh, uh, Pete Escovito. And, man, he was surrounded by great people. And he he was still, he could play, but they helped him. Yeah. Man, and now guitarists study his stuff. I guess. (laughs) I know. (laughs) know. Now, Al, I would study. And Richard Thompson, I would study. There's there's, uh, there's no question. David Gilmore. There's no question. I was at the arena in 73 when they opened the roof. Wow. And couldn't get it closed again. (laughs) Well, I'd say opened it. Finally, everybody could breathe, probably. (laughs) Uh, You could see the smoke go out. And uh, it was like having a 57 Ford. You just couldn't Uh. get the roof to close. That was it. That comfortably numb solo, though. Oh, man. I mean, that's just, you think about just some of those iconic memories. And, you know, the the thing with Zeppelin was we had, I I think my uncle might have had tickets to see that last tour. Then, you know, uh, Bonham passed away. Uh, But that was was the one band I didn't get to see that I always look back and say, I really, that was the one piece of the puzzle for me that would have been amazing. But... You know, were you ever disappointed going to see some of these big bands that they couldn't deliver live what they had on well, recording? Because Zeppelin was kind of like I that. I felt that about Zeppelin. Yeah. Right? At the at Three Rivers, it's Th- thin? like... Thin? Was it thin sounding? Thin, and they didn't seem to care. And uh, Robert Plant says, and now from the makers of Quaalude... John Bonham, and he does a, like a 15-minute solo, <laughs> including his head. And yeah, it was interesting, but it's like, all right. See? And then people started throwing M80s and you really? know, got into the crowd. It was out of control. And isn't it interesting how a time will romanticize a band? Yeah. Where, when, when you hear you talking about the reality of what it was actually like. But early on, Eric, that must have been stunning. Yeah. Is, it, there was a, my uncle told me that the gravel wasn't opening for them at that show, but they were there. They got in sure. early. And he was listening to Soundcheck in Three River Stadium, and apparently Plant's mic went out. My uncle says, I was so far, I could still hear his voice. It was such a unbelievably powerful voice that I could yeah. hear when the, without the mic off in yeah. Soundcheck. I yeah. mean, and that's amazing to me. Those are the, those are the stories I grab onto, like, and the Who, 
I mean, the who? I mean, the, you know, we laugh. We laugh at the crazy antics of a uh, of their drummer, but I mean, Moon was just from another planet. Man. He was. His playing was from another planet. He, and he didn't realize it. He wanted to be a surf dude. Get he out. was a surfer. He wanted to be in the Beach Boys. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I loved him. And so sad. Why are those? Why are those souls taken away, man? Yeah, I mean, and it's uh, it's but see, there's bands like the Who that continue, and there's Zeppelin who shut it down. And it, it, here's to me what's heartbreaking about the Who continuing. Pete didn't have to. He has money. He got all the royalties. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, from songwriting. Songwriting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Roger had nothing, and John, John Entwistle was a severe cocaine addict, which yeah, eventually took killed him, him. Took him, yeah. It's a lifelong so problem. they would tour to support, Pete would tour to support those guys. Did not know that. Yeah, man. Man, I mean, that's... Because Pete would just, he would have rather done his, his solo stuff was stunning. It still is. And his Somebody saved me. And somebody locked conceptual stuff with him, too. Oh, I mean, he could have gone any direction he wanted to. And he used his, uses his brother, Simon uh, Townsend and, right. and all kinds of great studio. Oh man! Was there any but, band that ever didn't go over? Like and I always wondered about this about you guys. So you you, you guys, DC's Ring was producing or promoting it. You guys are running ads. You may have an in studio. Just all this supposed hype, and then a band comes and it's not attended well. Like I went to one show, which broke my heart. Um, Christy McVie went solo from Fleetwood Mac and, oh, and came her. to I Love Her too. She came to the Syrian mosque, I want to say mid-80s, and there was like, I'm not kidding you, about 110 people. Oh, hard the show was amazing. Because I, I was just listening to the album Penguin, Fleetwood yeah, Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, that's Fleetwood Mac. What eventually became too. the rumors, that was Fleetwood Mac featuring Buckingham Knicks, is how it should have, I would have dealt with it better. But as a Fleetwood Mac lover, Peter, Peter Green, Green, Bob Peter Welch, Green. I mean, they were a blues band. I'm a roadrunner, baby. Uh, you know, dissatisfied, that Penguin album. No one knows that stuff, though. Uh, All they hear is rumors and beyond. I mean, that's We just... would cheat at DVE years ago. We would, And I think Michelle still plays nice. Dissatisfied. I, I hope she does. Wow. Uh, wow, wow, wow. I'll ask her, too. Huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Fleetwood Mac, that was another band Pittsburgh Embrace, wouldn't you agree? Oh, I mean, my like God, They, they yeah. could mint money here when they come. And do you know Carly Simon did her last show at the Surrey Mosque, got a nervous breakdown, and that was it. Did not know that. And... Um, when was uh, Bob that? Marley what year was that? died shortly after he was here from cancer. Oh, there you go. I did not know that either. Uh, what year was Carly? Uh, good question. Probably must have been 81, maybe. You know, around back. That era. Yeah, was Taylor in the, John, was, uh, the James, James Taylor in the picture there? I don't think so. Really? I, I don't know for sure. But you saw the uh, con- arena rock thing, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we transitioned in the um, the late 80s to the arena to the amphitheater stuff. As a music fan of a rock and roll fan, I, that's that lost something for me. Going from an indoor environment, it did the lights. So it's yeah. not just me. That's no, a, no, it's to being outdoors and sometimes starting around like seven when it's still light outside. Exactly. These kids missed something, didn't they? The I, arena I rock think thing. So. I absolutely agree. I mean, the arenas—they <clears throat> got the sound down so good, Eric. You, you, you. We know. Go to uh, PPG. Yeah. They have that yeah. flying stuff that's from another planet. It's like you're in the speaker box. There's no question, oh, man. man. <laughs> <laughs> and even though I'm inside the speaker box, I still want you. Could, could you turn it up a little more? <laughs> Did you um, did you dig Rush when you were like listening oh, to that stuff man. in the seventies? Neil, Neil Peart and yeah, yeah they, they were. Whew. 
Did you ever have them in studio? They ever come uh, you know, uh, Scott Paulson, I think, uh, interviewed um, in, interviewed him. I never had the, the uh, opportunity. And Scott also sat next to the lead singer. Getty Lee. Getty Lee. Yeah. Sorry, Getty. <laughs> Scott told me one time that he sat next to him in a baseball game, and, and Scott talked to him, and he said to Scott, uh, man, you're, you're invading my privacy. I believe it. They're baseball nuts. I, I, I wouldn't doubt and He it. didn't even want to talk to him. <laughs> hey, you remember Laverne and Shirley? Yeah. Lenny and Squiggy? Yeah. Well, Squiggy was a huge pirate fan, and I'm sure he still is. He, he, he's been, I think he has MS. Okay. And okay. Uh, he, until it got bad, he was here every summer for, as far as I know, almost every home game. He would come to Pittsburgh, and there's... Squeaky's in the lid. That's crazy. It was so cool. That's crazy. I love him. I still love him. Laverne, come upstairs. <laughs> Lenny swallowed his comb. And oh. Lenny B was a famous actor. He was in Spinal he still Tap. Is. And well, he's now, in multiple he, things he's in. He, he, he's in uh, the spinoff of, um, oh my God, oh, uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, yeah. I love him in there. I love that role he's playing wow. there. That's good stuff, man. That's good he stuff. Is. Am I holding you up, sir? Are you okay? Uh, you know what? Let's let's just let's. Can we stop episode one? Yeah, episode one with Herschel of the Eric McKenna Project is in the bag, man. But this is great. We we this, this is, is free forming and rambling. We're gonna do more of these, right? Just the beginning. All right, just the beginning, it'll my be, friends. If, if folks, if you have them all, it'll be like an encyclopedia someday. Maybe 25, 27 issues. There you go. Honored, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Episode made, one in the tank. You made my year. Awesome, buddy. Eric McKenna Project with Herschel. Episode one. See y'all. Wow, is that fun? We need to do these on a regular oh, basis, man. pal. If you're up for it.